Well, friends, we come to our time of communion together. You know, in that passage, that famous passage um, on Easter Day when a couple of the disciples are walking on the road to Emmaus and Jesus comes up to them, although they don't recognise him, and he opens up the scriptures to them and um, and then as it comes towards nightfall, they invite him to come and stay with them. And there's a real turning point in that in that passage. It's in, recorded in Luke chapter 24. It says, When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognised him. It's a real turning point. In the breaking of the bread, giving thanks, being given it, their eyes were opened and they recognised him. There is so many things that one can say about this symbolic meal, this communion meal. But one of them is around the word remembrance and recognition. And I think as we come to this table, there's, there is something that happens when we, when we eat this bread and drink this wine. Um, we recognise Christ for who he is, what he's done for us. We recognise him and we remember all those, all those things that he's done for us. Well, as we come to, to join in this time together, let's pray our prayer of preparation and the words for that will come up on screen for you. We do not presume to come to your table, merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in your manifold and great mercies. We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under your table, but you are the same Lord whose nature is always to have mercy. Grant us, therefore, gracious Lord, so to eat the flesh of your dear Son, Jesus Christ, and to drink his blood, that we may evermore dwell in him and he in us. Amen. Let's continue in prayer. And in preparation for this meal, it's good for us to confess our sins. So again, the words will come up for you on screen and we'll allow a moment of silent reflection because there might be something in particular that you want to bring before the Lord at this time. We say together, merciful God, our maker and our judge, we have sinned against you in thought, word and deed and in what we have failed to do. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbours as ourselves. We repent and are sorry for all our sins. Father, forgive us. Strengthen us to love and obey you in newness of life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And, you know, I can say with great confidence that if you prayed that prayer and confessed your sins and you truly repent, then Scripture promises that you are forgiven, um, that I am forgiven, that you are forgiven. And in fact, in the Psalms, it talks about how as far as the east is from the west, that's how uh, far away, you know, <laughs> that's how far God, God, God has forgotten our sins when we confess them. Um, he's taken them away from us. So what a great joy it is to be able to confess our sins and to come to this table to join in communion. Uh, we, we have a prayer of thanksgiving and uh, uh, from our Anglican prayer book 
and I'll pray that. There's just a couple of parts where you might like to pray as well and those words will come up for you on the screen. Lift up your hearts. Let's give thanks to the Lord our God. All glory and honour be yours always and everywhere, mighty creator and ever-living God. We give you thanks and praise for our Saviour Jesus Christ, who by the power of your Spirit was born of Mary and lived as one of us. By his death on the cross and his rising to new life, he offered the one true sacrifice for sin and obtained an eternal deliverance for his people. Therefore, with angels and archangels and all the company of heaven, we proclaim your great and glorious name, forever praising you and saying, Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Merciful God, we thank you for these gifts of your creation, this bread and wine. And we pray that by your word and Holy Spirit, that we who eat and drink them may be partakers of Christ's body and blood. On the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took bread, and when he'd given you thanks, he gave it to the disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body, broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After supper, he took the cup, and again giving you thanks, he gave it to the disciples, saying, Drink from this, all of you. This is my body, which is given for you, um, shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. We say together, Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again. And in participating in this meal, we do as our Saviour has commanded. We proclaim his offering of himself made once for all upon the cross, his mighty resurrection and glorious ascension, and looking for his coming again, we celebrate with this bread and this cup his one perfect and sufficient sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. Father, renew us by your Spirit, unite us in the body of your Son, and bring us with all your people into the joy of your eternal kingdom through Jesus Christ our Lord, with whom, in whom, and in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, we worship you, Father, in songs of never-ending praise, blessing and honour and power and glory are yours forever and ever. Amen. Well, friends, as you eat your bread and wine, you might like to say, the body and blood of Christ keep me in eternal life. The body and blood of Christ keep us in eternal life. The blood of Christ keep us in eternal life. Gracious God, we thank you that in this sacrament you assure us of your goodness and love, accept our sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving, and help us to grow in love and obedience that we may serve you in the world and finally be brought to that table where all your saints feast with you forever. Amen. Amen. 
the reading this morning is from Psalm 119, verses 105 to 112. Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. I have taken an oath and confirmed it, that I will follow your righteous laws. I have suffered much. Preserve my life, Lord, according to your word. Accept, Lord, the willing praise of my mouth and teach me your laws. Though I constantly take my life in my hands, I will not forget your law. The wicked have set a snare for me, but I have not strayed from your precepts. Your statutes are my heritage forever. They are the joy of my heart. My heart is set on keeping your decrees to the very end. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Today's New Testament reading is from uh, Romans chapter 8, verses 1 to 11. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh can't please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they don't belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. This is the word of the Lord. The sermon today is taken from uh, Romans chapter 8, verses 1 to 11, and its heading is Life Through the Spirit. My NIV study Bible's first comments on Romans chapter 8 are, Not guilty, let him go free. And what would those words mean to you if you were on death row? The fact is that the whole human race is on death row, justly condemned but for repeatedly breaking God's holy law. Without Jesus, we'd have no hope at all. But thank God, he has declared us not guilty and has offered us freedom from sin 
and power to do his will. End of quote. Pretty powerful stuff. Enough to make any of us quite concerned, I'd imagine. Does it overstate the issue? Is it a lot of hyperbole? Let's examine these 11 verses in Romans 8 and see what we find and what we think. I have to tell you that some of the material we're using here I found in a very excellent paper from the Church of St Andrews in Enfield in North London. None of us is perfect. In fact, we're all imperfect. We all get things wrong in life. We've all made mistakes, errors of judgment, and the history of our lives is littered with events, choices and decisions that if we had the opportunity to go back in time, we would do it differently. But the wonderful truth of the Christian gospel is that there is nothing in our lives that we have ever, ever done that is too big or too bad for our God to forgive. He's always more willing to wipe away the guilt of the past than we are willing to ask him. God's grace and love for us is beyond comprehension and that's exactly what Paul says in these verses. In verse 1, we hear that the most wonderful claim which sums up the Christian gospel in just one sentence is, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. How wonderful those 13 words are, and they're pretty much all we need to hear as long as we know that we are in Christ Jesus. Paul goes on in verse 2 to remind us why that is the case. He says, Because through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. He's saying that our liberation from the wrongs of our past has come through the death and the resurrection of Jesus. If we are in Christ, the mistakes of our past no longer has any power over us because we're set free by Christ's saving works. The next verse talks about the powerlessness of the law. Paul, Paul doesn't specifically say just how the law failed. So let's just consider this law, the law of the Jews. That would take us back to the year 1445 B.C., when God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. Ten Commandments which of themselves told us how to live our lives. And still today we see these commandments as vital to our behaviour and to our society, as vital as they ever were. So what went wrong with the Jews and the commandments? Psalm 19 tells us that the law was intended to revive the soul, to make wise the simple, to rejoice the heart and to enlighten the eyes. Psalm 119 tells us the law was to keep Israel from shame, to help them praise God, to help them live in such a way that God would not forsake them, to keep them pure and to keep them from sinning against God. But unfortunately, over those 1,445 years, the Jewish leaders and elders couldn't keep their hands off the, these laws. And they added so many additional rules and regulations over those years. But in doing so, 
they lost sight of its original purpose. And it failed even its chief guardians, the scribes and Pharisees, who Jesus really hose into. In Matthew 23, he says, do not do as they do. He was saying this to the crowds, for they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy loads and put them on men's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Everything they do is for men to see. They're into fine clothes and places of honour at banquets. They think they're so important, etc. A brood of vipers and hypocrites, he calls them. Sure, you give a tenth of all you have as a tithe, but you neglect the more important matters of the law, like justice, mercy and faithfulness. You blind guides, he says, you stain out the gnat, but swallow a camel. You strain out the gnat, but swallow a camel. Paul is reminding us that the Jewish law was never going to bring us salvation. God did not give the laws to save, but to reveal our need for his grace. Paul goes on to say that the law was weak through the flesh. And he's saying that it's not a problem inherent in the law, but it's all about our weakness. The flesh is weak and couldn't obey the law, so the law cannot bring salvation. But now comes the good news. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and God sent his son to live among us as a full human being. Our humanity has been redeemed through the humanity of Christ. As Paul says, Christ was the sin offering. He paid the price for all the wrongs that we'd ever done. He died on the cross for us so we can be free of all the errors of our past. Therefore, there is now no condemnation. The very purpose of God sending us his son is so that our future may be different from our past, so that we may walk in the power of the Holy Spirit and make better choices for God, for other people and for ourselves. When we walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, we're not condemned to an endless cycle of making the same mistakes, but we can move into a more positive future with God. And as Christians, our walk now is in accordance with the Holy Spirit. Our intention is to serve God and live holy lives. <clears throat> Temptation never goes away completely. There's an old saying that says, you can't stop, stop the, raisins, the, the ra ravens from flying over your head, but you can stop them from building a nest in your hair. Temptation will always be lurking like those ravens. But with the Holy Spirit on our side, we're helped certainly to keep them out of our hair and way up into the sky. That, that doesn't mean we'll be sinless. We'll still get it wrong, perhaps often. But our motivation and desire is to walk in accordance with the Holy Spirit, not in accordance to the flesh. Paul lists for us very graphically in Galatians chapter 5 what we'll be leaving behind and what we have in store for us. In verse 19, he says, The acts of sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions and envy, 
drunkenness, orgies and the like. The sorts of things that we you know, tend to see in movies and uh, on our TV screens, particularly in uh, reality TV shows. But the fruits of the Spirit, goes, Paul goes on, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, he says, there is no law. There's surely no lovelier sentence in the whole of English literature. Just saying them makes you feel better. Start your day with that sentence and you'll surely have a good one. It's very much our choice. It's what motivates us. If we want to pursue the flesh, we are motivated by the flesh and choose accordingly. But if we pursue the spirit, we're motivated, motivated by the spirit and choose for God. Then we're no longer doomed to a life of servitude, but a life of freedom in the spirit. That's our eternal destiny, freely given to each of us when we choose for God, living in the power and the experience of the Holy Spirit. Alan Bream in his book, The Walking Dreamer, writes, it takes a leap of faith to open ourselves to life. We have to take the risk of letting go of our selfish pursuits and opening ourselves to the wonderful and unpredictable spirit that's flowing so freely and so full of life all around us. In the Australian hymn book, in a list of, list of hymns under the heading Conversion of St Paul, is one by Charles Wesley. It's the one with that first line that goes, and can it be that I should gain and an interest in the Saviour's blood. It has five wonderful verses in which Wesley mirrors Paul's conversion, his choosing of life over death, the spirit over the flesh. I just want to list a few of those lines which I hope you can endorse and we all can claim for ourselves and say a big amen at the end of them. Died he for me who caused his pain, for me who him to death pursues. Tis mercy all, immense and free, for, oh my God, it found out me. Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night. My chains fell off, my heart was free, I rose, went forth and followed thee. No condemnation now I dread, Jesus and all in him is mine. Bold I approach the eternal throne and claim the crown through Christ my own. A big amen to that. Heavenly Father, loving Father, this morning we ask that you gather our hearts into your church and that by faith you may receive the prayers we offer by praise and supplication. Father, as we conclude our series on faith in a time of crisis, we give you thanks and praise for Tracy's ministry. We pray that the seeds from this series and the seeds of faith would grow, mature and deepen. Lord, we confess any sins of unbelief, doubt and prayerlessness. We pray that you will make us 
who you want us to be and help us to do the good works you want us to do. May the gift of your love be our inspiration and motivator. We intercede on behalf of those who are suffering around the world and lament the loss of so many lives to the COVID-19 virus. Lord, we pray for the suburbs currently in lockdown in Melbourne for effective mitigation of the virus spread. Lord, for our nation, we pray for our Premier, National Cabinet and our Prime Minister. Lord, we pray for your sovereign authority, power, rule and reign over our land in every state. We pray for businesses on the brink of collapse, unemployment and our country's international relationships. This morning we have special prayers to offer for your bride, the church. Collectively and organically, the seeds, the seeds of prayers in our hearts will prepare our hearts for you. Locally at Warrigal Anglican for your global church corporately. For your church, we pray for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit to prune us for growth that we may bear fruit for you make everything beautiful in your time. Lord, help us as a church to flourish in every gift that you have to offer. May your church flourish to be pure, holy and without blemish. We ask that you may open us up to accept and receive all grace, blessings and your mercies by the power of your love. Concluding our prayers for your church, Lord. We offer scripture for Romans chapter 5 verses 3 to 5. But we also have glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because your love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Thank you, Father. Accept the praise we we offer through your mighty name. Amen. Well, friends, thank you for joining with us. Thank you to everyone who uh, served us in the service today. Thank you especially to Peter Gilbert for opening up God's word to us. What a great promise we have in Romans chapter 8. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. What a great promise. If you'd like to read more about this new life, this free life, this life led by the Spirit, then let me recommend this book to you, Open to the Spirit by Scott McKnight. Open to the Spirit by Scott McKnight. God in us, God with us, God transforming it. God transforming us. Great to read in our isolation time. <laughs> um, if you're one of our financial partners with the church, if you're a regular who supports us financially, then uh, let me just take this opportunity to say thank you for your support. Thank you for your partnership in the gospel. At the end of the service, there'll be some information on a slide that points you to our website. So if you'd like to make a donation to the church, then um, there'll be information there for you. But for 
now, let me lead us in a closing prayer. Loving God, we thank you for hearing our prayers, for feeding us with your word and encouraging us in our meeting together. Take us and use us to love and serve you and all people in the power of your spirit and in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Friends, may the God of peace equip you with everything good for doing his will, working in you what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. In the name of Christ. Amen.